0: so welcome back to the prospecting show today we have natalie damari on the show how are you i'm well how are you good thank you so to kind of you know lay lay some foundation here tell us a little bit about where you came from and and where you are right now and kind of the service that you offer people
1: yeah, so it's been a long journey for me. Um, so I'm transgender. Um, I was born with an intersex condition and raised male my whole life. And I, I didn't even know that I was intersex until you know, 2015, a few years ago. Um, and at that time I was really struggling um, with my mental health and sort of not sure what to do. After grad school, I couldn't get a job. Um, I didn't know, I never saw myself being self-employed or owning a business of any sort. But it's kind of just, it kind of just all sort of happened very gradually. And it's been
0: a, it's been a ride. And, you know, with, with having uh, some, you know, experience in, in school and kind of translating knowledge from school, what kind of gaps did you find there? I know a lot of people I talk to that are in entrepreneurship, they talk about how what they learned in school and what they know they needed to learn are not the same thing. So, what was your experience there?
1: Yeah, I think school is kind of a one-size-fits-all um, education. Occasionally, you'll have a professor who has real-world experience, and they might sort of mentor you to some extent, um, which is really great. But what we, what I learned in school, at least, was very, uh, very much not applicable. Mm-hmm. However, the habits I learned from studying consistently, and you know, having deadlines. And, and even, even sort of this habit of procrastinating and, get, and getting it, everything all done at the end, but still being able to do that and to, to produce quality
0: work has
1: helped me um, being self-employed because yeah, I, know, I know what I can and can't do
0: right and i guess you kind of start learning the balance too right when you work in kind of group environments you have other projects that are going on sometimes there's a little more flexibility but with entrepreneurship uh you know if you're the only person if you're a solopreneur you have another team it it really shows if you don't do the work right because people are able to to tell that you missed a deadline or whatever so that it's kind of self-fulfilling the fact that you have to put in the work to get it done you know what i mean yeah yeah you have to walk the walk yeah. So, so with the kind of marketing that you're doing right now, maybe break that down and, and kind of give us an understanding of, of what you do and then kind of the landscape of where you see some of this marketing going in the future. So what I'm doing right now is my digital ads agency,
1: Google and Facebook ads. Um, and I work with a variety of local businesses. I've got a team of 17 now, um, but we're targeting medical spas and plastic surgeons lately. Um, we were doing solar companies for a time. But it's just kind of like what we what we like to work with, um, and then also more recently, I've been doing consulting for local startups here in Austin. Just sort of handpick clients, um, people that I know that have these startups, and I want to help them.
0: And, and what do you see differently? You, know, you talk about solar, and then you have medical, and then startups. So what's the kind of common thread between all three of those? The
1: common thread is these companies are all B two C, so. They we rarely work with a company that's B2B, which means they're a business that services other businesses. Um, and that's that's just not that's a
0: little bit outside of our expertise. Got it. And so so with these people that are acquiring new customers, right? Every business has to do marketing and sales and operations. So you guys are coming in on the marketing arm and your your services is Facebook and did you say Google Ads as well?
1: Yes, we can run Facebook and Google ads, we can do SEO, and we can do listings management, um, which is kind of like SEO light, and then we can do social media marketing.
0: And and so break down listings management. It's not something I've heard of before, and maybe some of the people are listening or, or who will listen to this aren't sure what that is. So listings management is basically making sure that your business information is up to date
1: on the most popular uh, business listings websites. So Google Home or Google My Business is is the most popular probably. And then there's Yelp, there's Facebook reviews, um, there's there's actually hundreds of these sites that you don't even think about, but businesses use them and customers see them. um, And that's how they hear about the business.
0: And, and so, are you saying there's some there's some errors or omissions that are occurring in these business listings, and because of that, customers are having less business than they otherwise could have, or or what's the model there? Yeah, so much of the time,
1: um, what often happens is is these businesses aren't even listed at all, um, and then the other thing that's some that's pretty common is maybe there is a business that was previously at their address that's still listed at that address with the same phone number um sometimes and so people are are saying that and they're they're expecting a business that's not there to be there
0: gotcha so ultimately what this is leading to though at the macro is lost sales it sounds like right these these opportunities that these businesses have to transact with their customers are going down because there's either inaccurate information or uh duplicate information or like said more than one address so i guess really what you're doing is you're kind of plugging the bottom of that funnel and saying hey we want your customers to know where you're at, we're not going to give them bad information. Is that correct understanding?
1: That's exactly right.
0: Got it. And so then you would couple that with uh, SEO, which is kind of like a midterm play, right? Like a six to nine month play, maybe maybe longer than that, right? But then you have your short term play, which is Facebook. Is that correct as well? Um, so as far as SEO versus listings
1: management, SEO does everything that we offer in, in listings management and a lot more. Um, SEO... It- does the the updating of the the top 70 um, most popular business listings websites and then it does more traditional SEO sort of uh, sort of strategies. And then for Facebook and Google Ads, honestly it just depends on the business because Google Ads are, are search ads, people search Google to find something they're looking for specifically whereas Facebook is more kind of like they're browsing on their, their feed and they see an ad and it's often an impulse buy or, or often something that they've been targeted with before and they think, hmm, okay, I, I think I'm gonna check this out finally.
0: Yeah, and, and so when you have a, a new business, and when I say new, new to you guys as, as an agency, how do you find, um, what, what do you recommend for them typically? Let's say they had $3,000 to spend just for an easy number. Where would you recommend that they put those efforts first?
1: um so what we do is we kind of gauge um what their needs are and then also if they can afford us usually freelancers can afford to pay us um for google or facebook ads because that's a little bit pricier than say seo um but just because of Ad Spend, it's, it's very competitive these days and we we kind of see if there's any sort of service that they're looking to market um in particular we see how many of those services they're doing per month and like how many they want like they can feasibly fulfill um and then when we look at that number we see how much the service costs we see how much we think they're making and and make a determination um if they can afford um ad spend with us
0: and, and typically, do you find that businesses are able to multiply their money fairly quickly? Or is it that it's taking three to six months for them to, to kind of go to the next level? Like what what is it gonna take for somebody to make sure that they can work with you every single month? What do you
1: it, see? It usually takes two to three months to get a, a return on their investment and more.
0: And then would they scale immediately at that point by putting more, more dollars into the program? Or would they typically just kind of churn at a steady rate? Um, they would usually
1: churn at a steady rate um, and oftentimes, it just comes to how good the businesses are at converting their sales. Um, if they have like a really, really solid SOPs and like a, people that are good at selling, um, and, and there are so many businesses, it's 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 not one size fits all. Like solar company, solar contractors often have a team of sales reps who are experienced at closing these leads that we provide. Whereas um, local businesses like medical spas have employees who are trained to answer the phone and and like, you know, be friendly, but, may, but maybe not
0: to sell. Gotcha. Okay. So really, really the success of the program is not just gonna be on the leads generated, but it's also gonna be on the team that's in place on the customer side to be able to convert that person either, I guess, to an appointment or to an actual paying customer, right? They have to take some responsibility themselves. That's right. And anyone
1: listening to this, um, here, this is a piece of invaluable advice that I was given one time. The, the amount of, um, how should I phrase this, when you make your client's job easier in converting their leads, it'll make your job a lot easier in finding these leads and, and you know, convincing them that you're the best person to go with, because if you can give them a good SOP and, and like even some training on how to close the leads that you provide, then they're going to Want to work with you more, and they're work- they're gonna want to tell other other business owner friends about you and like how much you've helped them.
0: And do you find that most uh, businesses that you speak to that you have used a marketer in the past are unhappy? I mean, I hear all the time like, hey, we use this this person. they didn't deliver on what they said. Is that a common thing that you hear when you do your you know your introductory calls? Yes, yes, it's extremely common.
1: Um, the marketing in- or industry, I-, I guess I should say, Digital marketing is is just saturated with freelance marketers who mean well but don't have a whole lot of experience. Maybe they've taken a course or two, and they wanna they wanna just like market to their to all the businesses that they can. Um, and then of course there are also people who are kind of scummy, who buy these lead lists online, um, and these are leads that have been bought before by other people. Or maybe even if they haven't, they take these leads and they sell them to multiple local businesses. Um, so maybe, maybe they've already closed with a different business. Um, maybe they're just cold leads that are have been approached many times and are, are just annoyed.
0: Right, so, and yeah. I and I think that that's really important too to make sure that there's expectations between the client and, and you you know, offering your service, because at the end of the day, most of those people will probably tell you what they're going through, right? If you just ask the right questions.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: And, and so, you know, to, to kind of drive this home, like, you know, with the businesses you're working with right now, wh- who is your ideal customer?
1: My ideal customer is someone who well, right now, medical spas and plastic surgeons, because that's a niche that I feel passionate about and I, I knew several plastic surgeons personally. Um, I would say that the niches that I feel uncomfortable with are the ones that are more concerned with spending up front because they're, maybe they're bootstrapping their business or they're, they're tight or even even they're just stingy with money and they don't see the big picture.
0: Right, right. And I think that comes a lot with um, these smaller ticket businesses that have maybe a recurring service or subscription service that's really small. They can't afford the margins on on doing this, or they have a very cyclical business or seasonal business, right? They're going to be apprehensive to spend money out of season, and that's going to make it difficult for you to produce results, right? Right. And, and so for people who wanted to reach out to you, you know, maybe they're a plastic surgeon, maybe they're a med spa, maybe there's some other kind of business in the healthcare space that would be a good fit for you. How would they reach you? So they can reach us on our social media um,
1: or through our website. Um, and oftentimes we actually approach them through cold email. We found that cold email traffic is actually very high converting when done right, um, but it's technical. You have to have good systems in place to, to make it effective.
0: Yeah, that, that makes tons of sense. So could you drop a link? Like, is there is there a specific website they could go to or a specific social handle that you can drop in here so that people can actually reach out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: right now or is this live? No, no, it's not live. Okay. We're going to post, post-produce it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll share that link with you. Yeah, I mean, do you want to just drop it audio-wise on here too, please?
1: Yeah, um, so what we use is gmas.com. It's a Chrome extension. Um, or, or were you saying for the cold email or the website? No,
0: I was saying for you guys, for people to reach out to you.
1: Oh, yeah, Www dot thrive by seven and that's the number seven
0: dot com got it okay and is there a contact form or something there that they should fill out or what's the best way for them is there a calendar link or some kind of way that they reach you there or is just a phone number
1: yeah at the end of the page it's going to ask you for your email and or your phone number and
0: then we can get in touch with you Okay, cool. And and beyond, you know, this is just kind of for my information beyond the, the med spa and the plastic surgeons, are there other good fits that you guys would have in your business given that you're doing that B2C type marketing on behalf of them? Um, say that one more time. Yeah, so you guys are doing me- medical spas and plastic surgeons. Are there other businesses that are similar to those that you guys have found success with or ones that you like to work on?
1: Yeah, um, chiropractors are good ones. And Holistic practices as well, since we're here in Austin and there are quite a few holistic practices um, that we like to work with and actually I'm going to tell you this, the reason why we got out of solar um, is because a lot of the solar contractors that we worked with were like, I'm a big fan of renewable energy,
0: but a lot of the contractors just culture wise it wasn't a good fit for our agency gotcha okay that's interesting and so with with working with those clients when you start a contract and you kind of go through the process is it that they're not converting and they're and they're not comfortable with the sales process or is it that they don't like you know they can't learn where's the actual issue
1: typically um well the issue is is the uh the sales mindset that they have um a lot of these these contractors these home residential contractors are are selling the old way which is kind of like um you know hard selling okay and we we like to teach our, our clients how to sell using inception selling which is kind of like a, a more passive but relatable form of selling
0: and and it's it's very it's a lot more psychological and it incorporates an lp gotcha and c- could you break that break that down a high level, maybe not give away all the secrets on how that works, but can you just give that a little explanation for the people who've maybe been in business for 10, 15, 20 years and have their current sales method, like what is it that you guys are doing that's a little bit different just so they can understand a lot of people don't know what NLP is either?
1: Yeah, NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming and it's a, I'm not an expert in it, um, but I know that it's a, it's a cornerstone of inception selling. And I'm gonna shout out one of my mentors, Rob Quinn. Um, His program is called The Art of Sales. And if you are a agency owner or any sort of business that does marketing or lead generation, you should definitely check him out. Um, He teaches very, very high level um, sales methods um, and objection handling and just strategies of establishing trust and authority with your leads
0: yeah and and that's it that's good to have you know mentorship there's a lot of people out there who think that they're really good at what they do and they are good at what they do but they they don't want to take on that mentorship role right but i mean i think like i I personally know rob as well and uh you know he's he's teaching a lot of entrepreneurs how to take their business to the next level by selling uh or or teaching different selling techniques and i think that that's useful because if you are in the mindset of you can't improve at all you're just never going to improve right but if you get the mentorship and you get the training and you get help from people who are a little bit further ahead than than you currently are, that always helps, right? There's there's really very few cases where that's not useful.
1: Right. And informational informational learning only take you so far. Um, it's all about your own mindset as well. Like if you if you don't see yourself being successful, then you can't be successful. And I used to struggle personally um, with imposter syndrome, which was a, a really big
0: major uh, limiting belief of mine. Um, and it's, it's taken me a while to get over it. Can you break that one down too? I know more people probably know about imposter syndrome than NLP, but could you break that down in, in the sense of what you experienced or, or where you thought that that was holding you back?
1: Yeah, so imposter syndrome for me was just the baggage that I had um, from having not been successful for a while, from spending a lot of time and energy and money investing in myself and ultimately not succeeding and it created a, a belief in my mind, as a conscious belief, even though I, even though I told myself like, you know, I'm gonna become successful and this is all gonna pan out, but I still didn't deep down believe that I would. And it was it was only through conf- confronting that and like realizing what was going on that I was able to overcome it.
0: Yeah, that, that's, that's interesting, too. And I think a lot of people do the whole um, in their mind over commit and then they think they're under delivering. But if you compare it to what the alternatives are, I think you realize very quickly that it's not really an imposter method, right? Like you, you might think, Oh, man, I got myself into this big situation. But um, you're going to deliver because what you have to offer is better than everybody else, right? Right. It, it really is a limiting belief. That's true. But I think there are people certainly who oversell and under deliver. That's just, um, you know, that's just a little different, right? Different kind of model.
1: Right. And so, some more specifically in terms of, of, of why I was a limiting belief for me, um, or why I struggled with limiting belief rather is is just because, you know, I'd always seen myself as as being someone who couldn't be successful. And then and then like being successful it was overwhelming, dealing with it at first and it was uncomfortable. And I felt like, what am I doing? Um, and and like is this is this like something that's gonna make me happy or should I should I maybe like slow down? And it's 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 just kind of been coming to terms with with having a different lifestyle than I'm accustomed to.
0: And, and so to kind of wrap up this this session on the podcast, what would you say the biggest, uh, the number one piece of advice that you could give to other entrepreneurs, marketing or not, um, as they're going through the journey of building their business? What's that one piece of like, hey, do this because this is going to help you out? Oh, this is an easy question. By far, the number
1: one piece of advice I will give is your network will make or break you. You can be an have the most experience in the world, be the most competent at some some high level skill and if you don't know anyone then you're not going to go anywhere you have to you have to meet people you have to talk to people you
0: have to partner with
1: people that's that's really what's going to take you far.
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's actually a pretty good point too, right? Because they, they talk a lot about your network equals your net worth and that, you know, just kind of cliche to say that. But at the end of the day, the more people you know that you can leverage your time or, or money or effort or, you know, specialization against, the better it's going to be because people are going to find ways to help you. And I always tell people, you know, at least in the sales process, when I start talking to a business I've never talked to, I want to know about them first. And I actually ask them how they can help me. And that's a really bass backwards way to do things. But if you know more about what they do, I think you have an easier time overcoming the gaps of, of what you have to offer. You know what I mean? Yeah, if, if you can trade that, right? If you could say, listen, we're on the same playing field. Let me put you on the same side of the table as me instead of the other side. Tell me how I can help you and how you can help me. Because everybody has something to give and everybody has something to learn, right? They're just the way it is.
1: Yeah, that that's absolutely right. Another thing is humility is also key. Um, even if you're you know you're like uh, I'm just gonna name a name that I know of Brian Stuman, who's another he's been another great person that I've looked to in, in terms of sales, very different than Rob Quinn, but he's very successful and he's still from what I can see remains a humble guy, which is really important.
0: Oh, absolutely. And so I, I think your advice is, is really, you know, well taken. And I hope that the other entrepreneurs, or the other individuals, maybe marketing and non-marketing that listen to this episode, um, you know, kind of take that to heart and, and realize that, you know, being humble in what you're doing is going to make you a better person. But also if you outreach further and, and, and build your network, your life is just going to become a lot easier, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the prospecting show. I look forward to getting some listener feedback at the end of this episode here and appreciate you taking half hour of your day.
1: Yeah. Thank you for being with me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome.